Welcome to Dad Rocks, a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm your host, Josh, and today I am so happy to welcome back my guest, Ricky Johnson. Ricky was the guest on the episode, What Does It Mean to Be a Father?, which was released back in February 2021, and I am really happy to have him back on. For those of you who have not listened to that episode, I've known Ricky since college, when we were in the University of Maryland drumline and pep band together. So when Ricky was first asked to come on to the show back in 2021, we were talking about what it was like to be a father to a child that was not biologically his. He had married a woman who already had a kid and basically ended up adopting this uh, child as his son. They had also just gone through the tumultuous summer and fall of 2020. And I wanted to know, and we're actually at the time, Steve, Joe and I were curious to know as a black parent what he went through and how he dealt with all of those events talking to his son. He and his wife were also trying to have a child conceive another child and they were documenting their journey of going uh to what i thought was ivf turns out to be iui um to conceive and have a child um they put out a handful of episodes and then eventually stopped um and then a bunch of months later or even a year later um turned out his wife was pregnant and they ended up having a daughter uh, a few months ago and so I wanted to catch up with Ricky talk about what life has been like in the past three years with the journey of eventually having a beautiful daughter uh, was like for him what he's been dealing with as a first-time parent of a newborn and also just reconnect with an old friend so this episode is really about parenting about what it is like for someone to go through the steps of being a father and then being a first-time father of a newborn, something that most people don't deal with. And so I wanted to you know, find out from Ricky what all that was like for him and what kind of stuff he's been going through. Um, so if you're looking for a great conversation about music, we do talk about music later on the episode, but this is definitely a parenting centric episode. So just giving you a heads up, um, but it is a great episode. I think we have a great conversation. I think a lot of things are brought up and I hope you enjoy my conversation with my buddy, Ricky Johnson. Ricky, welcome back to Dad Rocks. What's up? Thank you. What's up, Josh? Thank you for welcoming me back to uh, Dad Rocks. Absolutely, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm no longer a walking zombie. Uh, baby girl <laughs> just turned four months old, so I, I'm functional. Thank you. I, I know who I'm talking to today, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you go from basically being uh a, a dad to uh, is your your son's what 11 10 10 10 mm-hmm. so you have a, a 9 10 year old at home and then you know upper elementary it's all you got and then suddenly you got this little 
precious little thing at home that you have to make sure it's being fed, changing diapers. Uh, They're up at all hours of the day, night and whatever. And it is a change, uh, a shock to the system, I should say. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, shock to the system. (laughs) Completely. Um, When when, uh, my wife and I, when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, when we started dating, um, Tristan, he was, he was what, three, you may turn four. So, you know, he could feed himself, he could take himself to the bathroom, you know, in the shower time, you just had to wash him up, but, you know, he could get in there on his own. It's a different ball game. And he slept through the night. That's the biggest thing. He slept through the night. Now, yeah, yeah baby girl, now she is, um, you give her a bottle around 1130, she, she'll make it through to, you know, at least to six in the morning, but yeah buddy it's you know how it is it is a big adjustment (laughs) i was i was at that stage with with our older son and then you know we had a second and i was like oh we're back to this now uh thankfully you know we were able to we had you know had done it before so we kind of had had it all down and um but it was definitely a shock to the system and uh going back to that and it's it definitely makes you more tired. However, it also helps you realize that you can, um, you know, survive on like three hours of sleep if you need to. Not super <laughs> functional, but you can you can make it through you a day. You can make it right. <laughs> you you can live. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know that's uh, you know where we're at now. The one thing I didn't mention in the intro the last time, um, so the last time you were on, we were talking about being a father to your wife's son. Um, and though at the time, you know, he was legally your son, but you know, just the, the idea of, you know, being a a parent to some, you know, to a child who is not yours tech, you know, in, in that way, you know, biologically during that time when we were talking, you and your wife were going through the process of trying for another child. Um, and you were documenting it all on a YouTube channel for at least a few months, which I was watching you know, I, I enjoyed the uh, the openness and the, um, you know, the honesty of the of the whole situation and to see what a couple goes through when they're having trouble conceiving and going through all the IVF stuff. Because, you know, I never experienced it. I have relatives who have, but I haven't seen it firsthand. And it kind of was eye opening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, now you were blessed with a, you know, a daughter, you know, again, congratulations on that. Um, but going through all of, you know, the roller coaster of emotions, you know, I can't even imagine what kind of stress and, and everything you were going through. So, you know, what, what was that like? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, how, how religious is your audience? Uh, are we allowed to, I, I honestly to don't, I don't know. Pro- I would, I would assume, <laughs> you know, not as religious as you, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you preach as much as you want, man. I know. Um, okay, so as you said, you were you were following our journey. Um, my wife and I, we got married in 2018, and we, I guess it was kind of unspoken that we would give it a year to see. We weren't trying to, this is going to sound really stupid. We weren't trying to have a kid, but we weren't preventing it either. So it was like, if it happened, cool. If it didn't, okay. So my wife, you know, she, um, we, we kind of gave it a year. And then the doctor said, well, when you're ready to, you know, really pursue this, we're going to start putting you on medication. And they did. 
and still nothing was happening. So that's how that got us through 2019, if you will, um, you know, to close to 2020. And then when 2020 hit, right before the pandemic, we're going to meet with a fertility clinic. And then COVID-19 happened and pretty much shut it all down. I mean, it, it shut us down for, for a few months before we could start going in. And even with that, she was like, man, you know, only I can go into the doctor, you know, so you can't even come in with me, you know, when they're inseminating me or when you're, you know, if the baby's heartbeat, you're not going to be able to hear that, you know, if I'm able to conceive. So it was like, dang, this sucks. But, you know, you wanted a child. So, you know, you want to deal with it. But anyway, we try to document that process and we had filmed, I'm going to say, probably all seven of our attempts with, with, we actually did not do IVF, which is slightly different. Um, if you're not familiar oh, with- I apologize the, for the- Oh, no, no, it's fine. No, if, if, if you're not familiar, IUI and I, IVF, IVF is when they actually like, will take, you know, my sperm, her egg, put it in a dish, insert it, needle and all yeah. that, and then try to reimplant. IUI is basically, they take your stuff, the man's stuff, and then, you know, shoot it at her. It's, it's like unsexy sex. So <laughs> they, they, they will inseminate her, you know, for me and it didn't take. And truth be told, when we find out, so we, we went through seven sessions and we were trying to document and truth be told, we were putting out broadcasts with the hope that we would eventually conceive in this and it wasn't happening. And what happened was while we stopped the YouTube station, because it got too hard to relive it. Um, I know for my mother, she would say, she said, it's really hard for me to watch this, to just see you all go through this. Even uh, even um, a few of our friends, actually, and I'll tell you one off camera that, that actually messaged me about it, that he said, my wife and I went through this, one of our drumline buddies. He said, my wife and I went through this. He said, honestly, he said, dude, I was praying for you, but I had to stop watching because I know what we went through. You know, they eventually had, but he said, I, I know that pain. So I had to stop watching. And honestly, I mean, I was, I was, I was down here right in this basement, like I'm right now working on it. And I just stopped and said, I can't do this. And I, and I walked away and I just stopped editing. I mean, I stopped working on it because I mean, it just, it began to, it begins to consume me in a, and not in a good way. I'm a type of person that, you know, if it's something I really, really want, I really, really want it. So I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to stay fixated on it until, you know, I get what I want, whatever. And this was one, you know, trying to conceive my wife was something I was really becoming fixated on that. I mean, my mother, she laughs at me now, but it'd be my birthday. Like, you know, what do you want for your birthday? You know, you can't give me what I want. You know, what you want for Christmas? You can't give me what I want. I mean, but that's all I wanted. I'm like, I don't want anything. I want this. And, you know, that became all you want, all that mattered. And then you just start dwelling on the on the wrong things. But I mean, I had a couple friends. The thing about church people, I'm going to try to say it as best I can for your audience, um, whatever their backgrounds may be. Sometimes you have people that try to give you well wishes and what they feel is insightful information into your spirit. Like, oh, don't worry. After seven tries, you're going to have a kid. Or, you know, God is telling me that, you know, the baby's coming and stuff like that. Uh, don't believe people like that. Don't don't fall for the hype. You know, whatever your background is, and people telling you God said this, don't go for it because God ain't telling them. More than likely not. 
Now, the truest thing that that my my big sister, big play sister, and my um, my spiritual father told me, he said he said, look, just delight yourself in the Lord. And my sister, like you know, you need to be more focused on, you know, just living right. And I mean, not that I was cheating my wife or anything, but you know, just right. concentrating on other things. So, all that to say that they were speaking to this to the fact that I was getting consumed in this, and they're like, you need to let it go. Just it'll ha- if it happens, cool. If it doesn't, still be grateful, but let it let let that priority of it go. And eventually, I did. And I tell you what actually led to that to to me letting all of that go for you know my wife and I conceiving was uh, my stepson, as you mentioned. His father died a year ago. Oh, shoot. This month. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, he died. He died in, what is this year, 2024? He died February 2023. He died. And, but even before he died, there was um there was a little, you know, spat that went back and forth between, you know, he, Tristan's mom, and myself. And, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty ugly spat that happened between us. And, and I don't know how much Tristan picked up on it, but I just, it's just something kind of told me in that moment, if you're here for nothing else, you're here for his protection. You're here to keep him safe. You're here to, to raise him, you know, to, to do the best you can for him. And then like a couple months after that, his father took very ill. Around Thanksgiving 2023, his father took ill and it was a whole bunch of like, stuff that didn't make sense that was happening with him and then he 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 died in february so when he died it's like this is your kid you have you have a you, i mean you always looked at him at a son if you could create a perfect son it would be him anyway this is your kid so i know you want your own seed this is your seed now you know so you're going to have to take care of this kid. You're you're the only father figure he has now. It's just how he sees the world as a man is going to be how you influence it. So as a as a man, as a black man, you know what what he grows up to be now, it's it's on you, bro. I yeah. mean, and, yes. Go ahead. And just I, I mean, I hate to interrupt, but you know, no, no, you're it's, fine. I mean, I, I'm like tearing up a little bit because you know this is that that is so horrible that he had to go through all that and luckily to have a father figure like you who went through that granted at an older age yeah to be there and support it like he I, I'm not saying he's lucky in any way but like he's in this terrible situation he is so incredibly lucky to have you as a father since you know exactly what he's going through yeah thank you um and and that's what we try to tell him. You know, it's that, you know, if, buddy, I've been here before. You know, your mom's been here before. Your aunt Erica, has been, my sister has been here before. You know, <clears throat> excuse me, even my mom, you know, your grandma has been here before. So, you know, you have plenty of people you can talk to. And he may make a mention every now and again, but he doesn't really talk a lot about his father. And he's in counseling. You know, he'll do most of talking in counseling, but he doesn't talk a lot. He'll make he'll make a comment every now and again, but he doesn't really deep, dive deep into his feelings with him. But either way, yeah, I, I was grateful that I, I could I could at least be here with him. And um, anyway, when I he's he's what really helped me to let everything go, just focusing on him, and you know, saying okay, this this is this is what we got to do it for. We got to do it for this kid. We got to make sure this kid is good, and then. 
a couple weeks after that, a month after that, my wife wakes me up to look at a test. And <laughs> what is that line? I'm like, that's two lines, honey. It's it's faint, but it's there. You know, <laughs> nah, yeah. I don't know. I don't trust it. I'm like, it's two lines. What's that paper say? <laughs> You're pregnant. All those COVID, all those COVID tests probably make you question. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. But but here's the thing, right? So so we had actually stopped, we stopped treatment the summer of 2023, and we stopped treatment because we had ran, we we did our seven sessions because that's all you could get with IUI. We weren't even really supposed to go that high, and when we talked to the new clinic we were supposed to work with, we we brought that up to them. They said. You guys probably fell through the cracks. He said, you know, the company you're with is one of those that they mass produce babies. So they more than likely overlooked what was happening with y'all. So he said, this one is a, this is a much smaller clinic. You know, we're, everybody's going to know you. We're going to take, you know, really good care of you. So anyway, they, were, they wanted us to do IVF. Now, IUI is covered through your insurance. IVF covers part of it, but you got to come out of pocket for a lot of it. Like you're coming out of pocket starting at $25,000. And then what happened was <laughs> that same summer we're about to start that my basement flooded, whole the whole basement flooded. Like my sump pump died, I, and I'm in a, I'm in a flood area, so my basement flooded, and it just stopped working. And yeah, man, this whole joint you know was 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 messed up. And I'm like, okay, I don't have money for both. And the reason why you know people are like, well, you know, basement is you know vanity, but at the same time, because I'm in a a, a flood area we get mold quick so family health baby it's like okay well family health is going to matter more than baby so we're going to put that off to the side so yeah we we had just stopped so you know that's why you know my my, my baby girl is, is is a miracle baby because we were doing no treatment no no treatment at all you know and then boom here's here's my wife pregnant <laughs> Yeah, man, that's amazing. And like, I, I, I you know, you have to think because just because, you know, granted, my wife and I are very lucky that we were able to have naturally conceived, you know, e fairly easily. You're a young man, Josh. Children. You're a young man. <laughs> <laughs> One year younger than you, man. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we the, what we know, what we realized was that we we were able to conceive when both of us were, especially my wife, was stress free. Mm -hmm. So you have to wonder if That's the it. stress of like going through the whole thing was was actually inhibiting, you know. I'm I'm no expert, but just like based on my it, my own track record or, yeah. or, or track record, yeah. It it makes you wonder, yeah. I mean, it's it's a couple things, you know. Was the stress? Now, my wife also, you know, had lost a considerable amount of weight before you know she got pregnant, so could have been that too, possibly. Um. A lot of things, but but definitely the, the the stress of the IUI was definitely on definitely on her, no question about that, and and you know myself as well. But you know, but you know, with the women go through, man, with the whole pregnancy and everything, bro, we we can't even. That's why the whole abortion debate really don't make sense to me. It's like okay, I can kind of get it because you hear the heartbeat at a young you know couple weeks. Okay, fine, but at the same time, a baby can kill a woman. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, and and not that you know, not intentionally, but you know, they go through so many physical changes and stuff like that. Dog, yeah, their body, their choice because all the crap they got to go through to have a kid. 
you know, beforehand and then after the kid is here, all the stuff they still deal with, you know, it's like, no, you know, get your government hands off her body. You, I don't, sorry, I hope your audience is liberal, but, you know, <laughs> get your government hands off her body. She knows she needs to make her own decision because this, this is a life or death choice, you know, if you don't yeah. have a kid or not. I mean, I mean, not uh, like Jewish law says if it's going to harm the mother, then you got to save the mother. Like, Boom. If, you know, so, you know, and, but I was going to actually bring that up because, you know, during both of my, both of the pregnancies my wife, you know, went through, mm-hmm. she had some, you know, nothing crazy, but like had some issues. Like there were issues that she had to take medication for, she had to go to the specialist for. And she told me like at the, the, nearing the end of this, the second pregnancy, she was like, I never want to go through this again. Yeah. Like she, you know, and because it's so, it's so stressful. It's so tough. It's like anything you do sometimes something could, you know, you're worried that, you know, and she's an anxious person anyway, but mm. it's almost like you don't want to screw something up and do something, you know, that can kill this baby after, tr- you know, trying and dealing with it, you know, not dealing with, it, but, you know, carrying it for yeah. Yeah. several months. Mm. So I didn't know if any, if your wife was going, went through anything during this pregnancy. Yes. Um, yes. Um, so she, <laughs> this one goes, you know, like I told you, a lot of people that were predicting, you know, yeah. what number was going to be for the big kids. Some people are predicting that, you know, that she was going to be on bed rest. My wife was never on bed rest, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, now, she had concern because, you know, with Tristan, she had preeclampsia. Um, yeah, my with wife this... had that too with our first, yeah. Wow, okay. So, yeah, so with, with, with Sarai, um, she did not have, she she had high blood pressure. So it was, it was always trying to elevate her blood pressure. That was the issue. And um, so what happened was, Sarai is actually, uh, she's a month, she came a month early because of her blood pressure. Um, Kristen's blood pressure was was, was kind of elevated. So they, um, be, and because we're technically geriatric parents, because we're over 35, you know, we were going to, you know, the high risk doctor every week, you know, for checkups and stuff. So the one, so one October day, she's going in for a, a, a regular checkup and the doctor's like, you don't look really good. I'm going to send you over to uh, L&D, labor and delivery. Uh, just let them check you out. Just see what happens. So my wife is calling me. She's like, you know, you know, they're going to labor and, labor and delivery. They're sending me to labor and delivery. Just check me out and do some blood work. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And then I get a call again. She says, yeah, so they're going to take the baby either. This was a Tuesday. So they're, they're going to take the baby either Wednesday, tomorrow, I'm like, okay, or Friday. I'm like, well, God dang, that's a whole month early, but okay, all right, whatever. So 20 minutes later, I get a call. Yeah, you need to come to the hospital now. What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a bag packed and nothing. I was grabbing <laughs> random stuff. <laughs> drop my, my son off. Thankfully, my, my aunt lives behind me, um, on the road behind me. So I just dropped my son off over there and said, listen, I, I got to leave him here if you don't mind. Uh, my sister's going to come pick him up. But I got to leave me here. I, I got to get to the hospital. And then <laughs> I swear I get to the hospital. I'm in 10 minutes later. Like, okay, put them scrubs on. We got to go. I'm like, wow. And yeah, I met my baby girl on the day I did not expect. <laughs> yeah, well, that's crazy. I'm so, yeah. Honestly, both in both the hospitals that my wife delivered in, I did not have to put scrubs on. I was really? allowed to stay in my clothes. Yes, and I like was right there the whole time. Oh, and, like, uh-huh. it was, I was... 
I well, did you have? Did she have a C-section or is she? She had a C-section, but yeah, I was oh, head to toe covered. Well, that, that's probably why. Like, oh, I, okay. I don't know. Oh, so you got because you were in the OR then. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but that that's that's crazy, man. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Ballou from the Presidents of the United States of America. Or if you have little children, you know me as Casper Baby Pants, and you are listening to Dad Rocks. You know, my my wife, like I said, anxious, a little superstitious sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. I can be the same way. And we didn't tell anybody both pregnancies until like 16 weeks. We were like, we're making sure <laughs> this baby is 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 viable or whatever. You know, it's it's good. Were you were you that? Or I assume not. You probably or did you? So how long did you wait? Okay, so not long. Um, the day I found out that she was pregnant, um. What happened? Uh, uh, did we tell anybody that day? We did. We did not tell anybody that day. We we kept it between us because she wanted to get a blood test to confirm it. She didn't. She didn't trust, you know, the over the counter right. pregnancy test. So she got a blood test to confirm it, and she confirmed it that evening. Matter of fact, it was <laughs> it was so stupid, right? So I had I had gotten. She, I knew she was going to get a blood test, so that afternoon I went to um to this cupcake place by our house, and I I got her a cupcake, got myself a cupcake, and and she's like, "What the cupcakes for?" I said, "Well, it's going to be a victory cupcake, you know. When they come back and tell you pregnant, I'm like, you know, eat my cupcake." So well, I'm getting ready to eat dinner, and then she comes bringing out the cupcake. She's like, "Well, here's your victory cupcake." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I'm gonna eat it later." She's like, <laughs> "Did you not hear what I said?" Oh uh, yeah, I'm gonna eat my cupcake when I finish eating this food. <laughs> She's like, "No, dummy, <laughs> I'm pregnant." I'm like, "Ah, that's right." <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, we did not, we we told our when did we tell our parents? Um, we told our parents after. No, we did not have the sonogram then. So we we so we we told them not too not too long after that. Probably that that weekend we told them. And um, we just we 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 made a quick video. We showed them the pregnancy test. Yes, yeah, I saw. I remember seeing that video. Yeah. Yeah. So um, but the video you saw was not the one we we showed them. It was a, something okay. different. But um, yeah. So so with with our parents, you know, we we told them quickly, and my mom. I'm not saying she's superstitious, but she's very old school and very cautious. So she's like, you know, you. She was trying to say without saying it, you might want to wait a little bit, you know, before you start announcing. But when I was talking to my wife, you know, she said, listen, she said, if I can go to the top of the road right now and announce it, I would. You know, I, I don't I don't want to wait, you know, a number of months. I, I, if I can announce that right now, I would. I said, well, OK. She said and she said this. She said, are we going to believe in God or not? I said, mm-hmm. OK, preacher, fine. Let's go. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Okay, we we gonna believe this, you know. So I'm gonna believe it's gonna happen. I said we just gonna. I said, but here's the thing though, if something turns out for the worst, we got to still keep our faith. She said yes. I'm like cool. All right then. So we we started putting it out. We put it out earlier than probably than most people do. I'm sure. Um, but we just we just trusted. And the thing was this. I I was really never. I wasn't really fearful that something was gonna happen to her or happen to the baby i was more so at least during the pregnancy it was more so for me when we got to the operating table i just wanted her because the the mortality rate from black women and and 
and childbirth is really high. Uh, that was my biggest concern. It's like, you know, let us have the right doctors, the right people, and all that stuff. And that was our big prayer. And here's the thing, though. So when, when we when we actually get to having Sarai, you know, the day she's getting delivered, you know, there was no black doctor. The day that we thought we were going to go in, we were going to have a black doctor. But this time we didn't. But even though he wasn't a black doctor, he was still the best doctor at the place that everybody was saying. So, you know, it was she was in great hands. Um, choosing, yeah, she was in excellent hands all the way through from from every every nurse, every orderly. You know, yeah, she, my wife, was in great hands, and yeah, I, I regret nothing. But no, we we started we started putting it out pretty early. Because yeah. you're right, people knew, so we, we knew our knew our journey, so we we put it out. Yeah, and what were your feelings um, when you found out you were having a girl during the uh, uh, gender reveal party? We knew at the gender reveal. So, so the gender reveal was really for our family. We knew oh, okay. beforehand. Yeah, but because um, of the blood, because of the blood uh, test. Um, well, I'll tell you, so Chris wanted to know early. I was okay with waiting to the gender reveal party, but Chris wanted to know early. So I said, okay, well, fine. If you can find out the, you know, the regular paperweight, I said, but do just surprise me with something. So one day, you know, I, I got home and on, on my pillow was, was a little baby outfit that says, you know, daddy's little princess. So I'm like, oh, we're having a girl. And the funny thing is, is like, we 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 never had a boy name picked out, but we've always had a girl name picked out. Like all like since we first started trying, we had a girl name picked out, and we just always had a feeling it was going to be a girl. So you know when we when she you know she put the thing on my pillow and when she got the blood test, it just confirmed we had already kind of believed that we were going to have a girl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't. We actually waited for both. Like we didn't know what we were having until they came out <laughs> like they, they I born. thought about that, but she wasn't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. My, we were just like, we, my wife didn't want to know. And I, I didn't really care. Like, you know, it was a surprise. It's just funny because, uh, when my first son was born, like I was like, okay, we have a boy. Great. You know? And then, mm-hmm. uh, my sister-in-law, uh, got pregnant and, you know, and then my wife got pregnant a few months later. And so, you know, my mom had one brother, then she had two sons and then she initially had one grandson. Right. And so I, I basically said, if my brothers, because my brother was waiting too until mm-hmm. I think day up. Um, so I said, if m- they have a boy, we're having a boy because my mom is never having, it's like, it's, she's like <laughs> cursed in that way of never having a, like, yeah, a biological, like, you know, girl, uh, you know, girl descendant or whatever, but it's just, and it that's what it turned out to be. Like my mom is just the, uh, a boy mom. Like she so, is just, uh, yeah. How did you do your baby shower then? Or did you have a baby we shower? Did, we didn't. So Jews don't do baby showers. Really? Yeah. We don't do baby showers. I did not know that. You make sure the pregnancy goes through. Um, and then that, then you celebrate kind of deal okay so wow I did not, yeah. hmm. interesting yeah no we do baby shower so yeah so chris like well we gotta know because first i'm like why don't we wait till the baby is? she's like you gotta know for the baby shower so they know what to get you I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> so. <laughs> so what wow. how did your uh, so what was were you i guess you really didn't care you know whether what if it was a boy or not or a boy or girl i mean um you know so because you already had a boy you know essentially but would oh. you 
did you did did you care either way or were you I don't want to assume but like I want a girl uh, more so for her because I knew she wanted a daughter. Um it, she she really like for me I didn't really care. She she didn't care exactly but she I know she wanted I, I know deep down she wanted a girl. So, you know, I I wanted one for her and um oh, so the other thing too why we always knew it was a girl, I guess, is because back when we were trying my sister before we tried actually my my sister um had bought this headdress it was like a little baby headdress um and she was going to give it to a child to uh, one of her friend's daughters or whatever like that but she's like i feel i'm not supposed to give it to this kid you know and then when she you know knew about chris and i trying she's like i'm gonna give it to you she said i know you don't have it yet but i'm gonna give it to you so that thing has been sitting on my dresser for i'm gonna say four years wow yeah, four years it was sitting on my on my dresser, and then, um, it, it, but then uh, like my uh, my sister in law, they have um a daughter that was born that you know it's my my goddaughter, and Chris like well should we give it to her? I'm like I don't feel like it belongs to her either. I'm like I I don't know why I, I just got a feeling I just need to hold on to this. So now here we have our daughter, and I I tried it on her little head. It was perfect on her. I'm like this who it was for. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. You always had those little beliefs. That, now, I think we mentioned we talked about this last time. I forget uh, because you're you're the fourth. You're Ricky. Yes. You know Richard Johnson the fourth. Was mm-hmm. was there any any plan of having uh, Richard Johnson the fifth? Yes and no. That's a that's probably a longer podcast. So I had to invite you <laughs> into my podcast and 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 tell you about why it was a no. Um, but let me let me succinctly say that sometimes having a suffix can put a weight on you that you really don't deserve and I didn't want that on my son so I did not want him to be the fifth because you know I didn't I didn't always like the comparisons between my father and I um or am I going to be just like him or I'm going to be preaching like him and stuff I didn't always like that and I did not want I wanted to do as much as I could to allow him to be his own individual if I was to have mm. a boy. So I'll say it like that, that. makes makes perfect sense. So, you know, yeah. but it's, it's a moot point anyway. So, yeah. So, you know, everyone goes through different emotions when their child is born, like, you know, or probably over being overwhelmed and, and whatnot. How are you? What did, what were you going through? What were you feeling? When she was born? Um, yeah. Uh, what was I feeling? Um, relief that you know, because wait, you said your wife, your wife had your her had your two sons naturally, right? Yeah. Oh man, let me tell you, when a woman's having a C-section, they're beating them the hell up. I mean, so I'm sitting at my wife's head, I just see her body shaking like that while they're like tugging on her stuff like that, and you know, the the anesthesiologist by her head, I'm like. We there yet? He said, "No, nah, we got layers to get through." <laughs> so like, okay, I'm like, I was doing a cut and pull, you know. So yeah, and like, all right, now now we're getting to the head, and then you know, and you're you're kind of holding your breath until you first hear that cry or something like that. And it's now, at least for us, it was like the movie where you know Mikey comes out and Mikey's just hollering. It was it sounded like she was like kind of choking or like kind of scatting, like yeah, yeah, blah. and then like okay, and then. They're like, so they let you see him, see her, and then 
I guess it was it was just so surreal, honestly. And then after that, they're like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna clean her up. You know, you can come over here and then we'll have you cut the umbilical cord once you get to that point. And then, um, uh, I, not Nick, you uh, pack you. So they said, okay, well, she's in the pack unit now. So you can come and come and see her. Come and hold your daughter. And it's yeah, it was it was crazy. It's like wow. You, you really are here. I mean, it's, it's more so disbelief than anything. It, for, for me, for, for both of us, I would say, it's, it's been more so disbelief, like, you really are here. You know, four months later, I'm still looking at her sometimes, like, you really are here. This is amazing. You know, you, you are really here. And, I mean, I guess bewilderment, wonder is really where I was with it because... When you really think about it, I mean, childbirth is a freaking miracle. I mean, whether you go through a, a, a clinic or not, I mean, a little bit of you, a little bit of your wife makes a whole bunch of your next one. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, a little bit of me, a little bit of Chris made this beautiful little girl here. It's like, and, 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 and. I'm sure you have. You you play with your little kids' fingers when they first come up, and you see, look at their little hands, look at their little feet, and stuff. It's like, wow, we created this. You know, God, you helped us. You you allowed us to create this. It's like it it kind of blows you away. I mean, I think the most emotional I got was actually not at the hospital. It was actually when I got home, and I I'm, I was actually just sitting out in the living room, holding her, and I'm looking out the window, and I'm like, and I'm just talking to. Her. I'm like, you know, like I just want you to know, Daddy's gonna do as best he can to you know take care of you to protect you to to guide you to comfort you to to just lead you to be the best man I can for you so that you know you'll find somebody that's going to take care of you as well you know whatever you, you choose you're going to find somebody that's going to take care of you because of how we did it because we we did right by you you know I'm just making that promise I mean that's when I started to get choked up honestly just because I'm like wow this you got a life you got to take care of you know this is this is a whole innocent life that that that's in your hands this is this is fresh clay in your hands that you have to mold so it's it's kind of like it's, it was overwhelmed was probably more of the feeling i had um you know one one friend of mine said you're gonna instantly fall in love i'm not gonna i mean of course i love my daughter man i didn't but i wasn't like gushing gushing like oh my god look at her you know stuff like that yeah. it's like wow i got a i got a whole human being right here that i'm responsible for yeah god help me (laughs) it's it's like you know there's moments of cliche like feelings and stuff but a lot of times it's just like uh you're you're stress you're just like how am i going to keep this child alive (laughs) like you know every every little mess up i like i banged my son's head like once against his crib i'm like (laughs) we called the doctor freaking out like it was it's you know there's there's all these moments of of just of of insanity because you're at least in our house because we're just oh no something happened like we we just ruined our child like forever kind of deal <laughs> um <laughs> uh, I and, and, yeah. yeah and so that you know it's you know but there were moments like what you said like i remember holding my son like when i was rocking him before bed and being like my, my oldest you know when he was a baby and i was like just remember this because this is going to be gone you know, not, you know, th- this moment will not be here again uh, right. for a while. 
And then ironically with my younger son, he does not like to be cuddled. He did not like <laughs> to be, he did not like to be rocked to sleep. He just, uh, you know, he's, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those, like with my older son, we would rock him and with my, oh. with my younger son. It's just like, nope, just like, oh, great. Just put you into bed and it's time <laughs> to go. He is, he can, he's becoming more cuddly, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> no, Soraya it's, loves to be cuddled. She, yeah, she, yeah. she wants to be in your arms. Yeah, so. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of mess you up when you're trying to work. But anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, a few months back or a few weeks back, you, you messaged me, you know, since, as we mentioned, you know, you lost your father uh, mm-hmm. when you were 19. I lost mine when I was 19. Um, and you asked me, you said, you know, when my son was born, um, did I start thinking about my father a lot more? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said, yeah, you know, what I think was mo- mainly about like how, he was as a parent, you know, just to go back to that question, what have, what were you thinking about? Like, because you, you said you were thinking about him a lot. Like, what has been going through your mind? Because he's not here and you can't talk to him about stuff. But like, you know, in general, what were you reflecting on in that moment? Um. It, OK, so it was. Like I said, I, I was I was missing him a lot more. Um, and it's, and it's grief is weird. Cause you can have some days where you're not thinking about it at all. You know, a big holiday may come or a birthday or something. You're like, Oh shoot, it is birthday. You know, you may yeah. not dwell on it, but then you have somewhere it just hits you like a ton, you know, yeah. Yeah, grief, grief is just weird like that. So, I mean, when, when, when Rai was born, you know, it's like, you're not here to see this. You're not here to see your grand, you're not, you weren't here to see me get married. You weren't here to see Tristan. You weren't here for your granddaughter. You know, this this is your blood granddaughter, and you're not here for it. I mean, and it, it made you sad. And then I, I remember I talked to my mom, like, you know, how would dad have acted, you know, with with Tristan and with you know Sarai? And you know, she she told me she said, oh, he would have been over the moon for both of them. You know, him and Tristan would have been you know best friends. He'd be you know going bowling, you know, going to Seven Eleven, you know, sneaky snacks stuff like that. That's what they've been doing. Um, or if he going to preach out somewhere, Tristan probably be going with him, you know, or in Sarai. Oh yeah. He would, he would, he would, she said he would be very, very scared of Sarai because he was always scared of babies. You know, want to make sure that, cause he had a, a nephew that died of SIDS. So he was, he would have been very, very protective of her. I'm like, okay, I get it. So, um, yeah, so, but I think it's like, you want them to see their grandkid, but then there's another part of you and, you know, maybe to attest to it too, where you kind of look for that fatherly approval to say, I see you, son, you've done a great job. You got a family, you know, you know, you're a man now, you know, just, you know, you're a man speech. You know, it's like our fathers died when we were 19. Now, granted, our fathers saw us graduate high school. They didn't see us get through college. They didn't see us get married. They didn't see our first kids. It's a hell of a lot they missed. And the thing that makes me sad with Tristan is that I'm going to be there for that. But at the same time, even though as much of a father figure as I want to you know, believe I am for him, I'm still not his biological. And he knows his biological. So there's a whole lot he's going to miss you know, that his biological is not there. His biological is not going to see him graduate fifth grade or get into middle school. And he's very excited about going to middle school. He's not going to see him, 
um, you know, get to high school or go to prom or pick up his pick out his tux for prom. Like I know if, if his biological was still alive, it would probably be him that took Tristan to go tuck shopping because he was just a fashion dude, you know. So, you know, I'm not really. So I mean, it's a lot that you know he was going to miss that. So that you think about and like, dang, you know, hopefully I can try to fill the void the best I can. But you know, with with myself, you know, in this instance, it's like I don't have you here to see your granddaughter and to you know to just glad hand you, you know, like 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 a man, like you know, you you've achieved, you know, and and the other part of you wants to wants to say something, father, like, look, you know. I got a family, you know, I have a house, I'm providing for them, you know, I got two kids that, yeah, I might have dropped them, you know, a little bit on the edge of the crib, or may have, you know, in my case, I was falling asleep and dropped her on the bed, but, you know, mm. she ain't have far to go, but either way, yeah. you know, so, you know, I, you know, I want you to see that, you know, I got this, you know, we're, we're handling, we're men, you know, we, we, we're handling this, you know, sorry to sound chauvinistic, you know, lady listeners, but you know, it's, it's a part of you that just looks for that validation, if you will. And that's really what was burdening me. It's like, I did not have that validation. Now, the fortunate thing was I did have my, my uncle who, you know, was also my dad's best friend. And he's actually surprised. Um, we made him the spirit, special grandfather. And, you know, he, he, he took that on. He checks on her, you know, every week, wants to see pictures of her all the time. He sees her every time we go to church. He want to hold her and stuff. So it's like, you know, it, she actually has two grandfathers now think about it um because Kristen's father passed away too so it's it's my father's best friend and my 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 spiritual mentor spiritual father you know he he took spiritual out the way and looked at himself like being really a father figure to me which has been awesome and he considers you know surprised and Tristan his grandkids too so you have that to fill the void you know, which is, you know, good. And he did give me that, you know, that handshake that you're looking for to say, you know, you know, I'm proud of you, you know, but it still ain't your dad. It, yeah, it still ain't, it still ain't Mr. Frisch, you know. Yeah. This is Brendan Benson and you're listening to Dad Rocks. Being a parent to a newborn infant is some of the most amazing, you know, moments as well. Some of the most frustrating times you'll ever experience, especially when they start crying at three o'clock in the morning and they won't go back to sleep for a few hours. Um, I mean, granted, there's a lot of frustration on your on coming up, you know, later on in their life as well. And I'm sure you're dealing with some stuff with Tristan as well. Oh, yes. uh, (laughs) um, So far, what have been the most what's been the most amazing and also the most frustrating moments that you've experienced so far? Um, the, the most frustration has been, well, let me go with the most, the most amazing really has been watching her growth daily. It's like, you know, like my phone is pretty much just filled with just pictures of her because I'm, I'm taking a couple snaps every day. I mean, just going from, you know, your first week, you didn't really open your eyes. You, you kept your eyes closed the whole week to now, you know, bing, as soon as I walk in the room, you know, you know, just up, you know, the fact that, you know, you can recognize who Chris and I are, um, you know, you're not saying any words to us, of course, but, but your smile lets me know that you know who I am or you know who she is. I mean, so it's seeing that growth is, is, is amazing, you know, you, you know, watching them, you know, with even with tummy time, just seeing how she gets stronger and now I can see she's trying to you know, crawl or, you know, Chris today finally had her holding a bottle. So she's 
mm. you know, trying to yeah. work on her her uh, coordination. So seeing that daily growth is 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 mind blowing. You know, as, as quickly as they're growing. Um, the frustration is yeah, it's probably the sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 the sleep. I I really didn't realize how how much of a blessing four hours of sleep is uh, when you finally can get it. <laughs> eight what is eight you know (laughs) four yeah i'll give me four um yeah probably probably the sleep has probably been the the most frustrating i'll I'll say this though our village has been awesome um in terms of like clothes for the baby pampers for the baby you know stuff like they they have been amazing with that um and if we really really like listen can you just come and watch her for a couple hours so we can get a nap you know yeah even even her first month home, you know, we had, you know, some friends and family that will come down and this is something. They will come down to watch the baby for us and they'd be like, you guys take a nap. But the problem is I can never fall asleep because they will come down in the evening time. You know, that ain't my nap time. You got to come down in the afternoon. That's when I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but yeah, um, probably, probably the sleeping has been the, the most the most frustrating thing. And, and of course, and the frustration for, for you both, you and the child is, you know, they can't tell you what's wrong. You know, you got to try to, you got to try to cipher through what's it. So you're like, okay, you've been fed, you're dry, you're changed. So what's really upsetting you? Are you just tired? Are you hurting? That's, you know, that's, that's the frustration trying to figure out, okay, what's wrong. I mean, you eventually kind of get an idea of, okay, she's probably sleepy. You know, you, you, you eventually get there, but at first it, it's hard, you know, trying to, yeah. trying to decipher those cries. Yeah, man, yeah, I get that's, it. That's basically it. Mm-hmm. Though your son is older, um, oh. you know, than my son is naturally when a new child comes into the house or a new oh. person or whatever comes into the house, there's always some emotional, you know, change. Um, and, you know, for me, my older son has definitely found new ways to find, uh, you know, to get our attention, basically. <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> them aren't aren't the greatest. Um and, you know, having to deal with having a younger sibling now who can take your toys and, and grab things and get. So I didn't know, though Tristan's, you know, 10, uh-huh. if he, you know, granted he has now extra baggage on top of, you know, just having an, an, another sibling in the house. How has he been dealing with your daughter? And has, have you seen any changes with him, um, positive, negative, you know, since she was born? He's Tristan has been really good. Um, now I will also say this is that, you know, Chris always made it a point of we have to include him in things so he doesn't feel up on. So she she stayed very conscientious back about him even like during the baby shower. You know, we got to keep him involved. We got to keep him like when we coordinate our clothes, he's got to you know, <laughs> he got to coordinate too. You know, he, he when we do the maternity shoots out shoot, we want him to be a part of it as well. Um, so she she's she was always um too bad about you know making sure he was included and not just her but i mean family and friends too because you know at the baby shower you know of course you know most of the things were for survive but tristan wasn't forgotten you know he did get some things um even this this weekend uh my aunt took tristan shopping and people like and more like what's this for she said well you know we showered Sarai, so this, this is me, you know, taking care of him. And boy, howdy, he came back with a whole lot of stuff. So, I mean, <laughs> it's that it's been the great thing that, that, you know, not just, you know, my wife 
you know, making sure that we stay conscientious of him, but the family itself, you know, staying con has stayed conscientious of Tristan as well. And, you know, has helped him to, to completely feel a part of this. Now, when Sarai first got home and, you know, we got our pack and play and everything, Trist, he moved it into his bedroom. You know, mm. he got pictures of, of him holding her on his bed. You know, he, he wanted her in his room at first and he was great. Now he's moved the pack and play out. Because now, that, <laughs> now that she's, you know, on, on this formula, you know, she'll spit up a lot. So he's like, yeah, mm. I'll, I'll take her back when she starts spitting up as much. So... <laughs> But either way, it's like so when we're about to go somewhere, you know, he's he wants to be the one that takes her out and puts her into the car seat, and you know, he wants to be the one that drives the chores. So he's really awesome. And I'll say this, even with with Kristen, he'll he'll be checking up. All right, mom, you okay? You know, you need your medicine. You know, whatever. He he's he's been a, he's been amazing. Um, I have no complaints at all about him. So no, I I can't say that that the kids made him you know be worse. You know, he's and and you can tell that. You know, Sarai, she def she definitely locks on to him when he gets in the room. You know, mm. probably I don't know if it's his locks or what, but she she locks <laughs> on to him when he when he gets into the room, and you know, you can tell they have a little connection, and it's, it's, it's great. You know, I love it. That's that's awesome. Um, being a music podcast, I can't yeah. help but ask what kind of music you are playing in your house, and how your daughter reacts to the music. Like, uh, and also on top of that. Have you begun to detest anything that you've been hearing constantly over and over again? Or have you begun to like something you didn't, uh, you know, think you would like? So a lot of questions there, but I just. No, that's you know, all good. So, about music. so um, it, it's cool because she, she was born to two very musical parents. Uh, Chris is an R&B head and gospel head to her core, um, the devil's music and everything else, I guess. <laughs> so, um Gracie's Corner gets played a lot in our house. And I do have a favorite song by Gracie's Corner. Uh, the Bro, 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 Your Boat song with Big Frida. That gets played pretty much daily. You don't know that one? I'll text it no. to you. <laughs> How old is your youngest son? Uh, he is 17 months. Oh, perfect. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> you will be rowing the boat. You and Kat will be rowing the boat. So, no, that that's that's Gracie's Corner gets played a, a lot um, here she does like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse song. Um, now, with us, we do have a playlist. I, I did make up a playlist for from songs that will either help go to sleep or songs I'll play for while she's you know taking a bath. Um, our the one song that we do do all the time that I'll I'll pick her up, sing it to her, and and play it and dance with her is um <laughs> is "Fly Me to the Moon" Frank Sinatra. Mm. So Rye actually, I started playing. A lot of smooth, well, a lot of jazz for her back when she first. Well, I would play to Kristen's belly when she was pregnant, but then when Rye got here, I would I would start to play a whole lot of you know jazz. So Rye is she may not know it yet, but she's a Frank fan. She's an Ella Fitzgerald fan. She's a um, Brad Meldow fan. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's great, yeah, man. I would I would play Wonderwall for her every day. Hmm. <laughs> so. Um, and my wife's like, why are you playing that Charlie Brown music? My name's Charlie Brown. It's Brad, Ma <laughs> Brad Meldow. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, yeah we, we have a little bit of everything. She's going, to have, she's going to have eclectic taste. No question about that. Um, my mother's definitely going to teach her the old school 70s, you know, music. You know, when she's ordinary. She, she's probably playing it for her now. Um, 
But definitely when she can start recognizing stuff, I know my mom, my mom is really going to be on top of her with that. Eric Zimmer's runner do Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have a, a wide range of music. So nothing's driven me up the wall yet. I'll say that because uh, we at least will keep things kind of moving. Um, I've gotten used to Gracie's Corner. You know, I just got to find the ones I like. But mm-hmm. but so far, no, she's 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 cool. With pretty much everything that they've done so far that we played so far is cool. I, I did have quite one question I was thinking about earlier today that kind of popped in my head. And that was, you know, a lot of the children's music, at least the stuff that I've heard and that comes up on the Spotify or wherever, mm-hmm. is done by white artists. So mm-hmm. I didn't know. Is there any black artists, black musicians who put out children's music? Because it, from you know granted i'm white you know you know what i was brought up on like all the artists pretty much josh you're not white you're jewish (laughs) (laughs) but you know it in in that way is there black children's music made that's what gracie's corner is okay so gracie's corner is basically a it's it's a youtube series and it's a gracie's a little black girl um it came up the the series debuted during the pandemic um and we read the parents they're like, we didn't see anything that represented our kids, our, our daughter. So we started putting out our own material. So basically, every single kid song you can think about, they've done just put a, a better beat on it. I mean, <laughs> skip to my Lou. Uh, I like apples and bananas. Mm. Every single thing you can freaking think of as a kid, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mary Had a Little Lamb, I think, has a go-go beat on it. So they've oh, wow. done... Nice. They've done every single nursery rhyme and whatever, you know, just with a black spin on it. So, so that's why we, we keep it going. That's why Gracie's Corner is is very popular within our community, of course. Mm. So, um, because because our kids are represented, you know. Yeah. That's why we used to love Sesame Street, you know, because Absolutely. you saw, you know, multi you know racial backgrounds in it, multicultural backgrounds, I should say. So Gracie's Corner gets played a lot. Um, that's that's basically the biggest thing. Now on Apple Music, uh, they do have lullaby series for kids, so we'll find a, a lullaby series of Michael Jackson lullaby of Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I got those on surprise playlist. You know, when it's time to go to bed, I might play that for. Her. So, yeah, we mix it up that way. Gotcha. I I, it was yeah. just curious, you know, just something I was thinking about. And I was like, I, you know, I I didn't know how, you know, if if black artists are represented in the in the kids' music world, you know. No, Gracie's Cr- Corner's like, got that on lock. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and speaking of which, you know, music, we are we are now at the end of, of the episode. And as you know, we like sure. to ask our guests what they've been listening to lately. So I hope you came prepared this time. Uh, what three tracks artists have you been digging lately? Uh, so like I said, Gracie's Court has been on <laughs> You know, it's funny when we started this podcast, my older son was like one. No, he was uh, one and a half, two. Right. And I I remember when we would talk like in the initial episodes, it would just be the three of us talking and no, no interview. And then I remember throwing out like, 
Oh yeah, this Grover song, like the Sesame Street song, is like a, kind of a banger. Like we've been listening to it lately. Uh, but yeah. go ahead. Sorry to mean to. Uh, no, you're you fine. Know. Um, so definitely Brad Meldow. Uh, like I would play Wonderwall for for Survivor pretty much every day. But then I've ran across this Brad Meldow um, Apple Chill playlist. So mm. that's been on lock when when I've been able to just have some you know time to myself. That's pretty much my mellow music right there. Um, Brad yeah, Meldow. He did a, a Beatles record recently, right? He just did um, at least I think I last year he put he put out a, I think a, a whole covers album like of of reimagined Beatles songs. Um, oh, okay. I think, and he's also was in the uh, jo- he was in Joshua Redman's uh, original quartet, and they just recently put out two albums the last couple of years, and that's uh, Redman, uh, Christian McBride, Mel Dow, and Brian Blade on drums, and those are some if you like straight ahead jazz oh, like that is. That's some, your- so, so the, the the number one, Sarai, I've been playing Wonderwall, but for myself, um, my favorite Radiohead song is Everything in His Right Place, and mm. he has a jazz version of that, dog. I, I keep I keep that one on lock. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah, for sure. Um, other songs I've personally been playing a lot. I've been actually playing a lot of Prince lately too. Mm. Now with Prince, the funny thing, Pr- Prince represents humanity in so many ways because you know he can be downright nasty, sexual, but then he's got a whole nother spiritual catalog to him. I mean, so there's a song off the, was it, Around the World in a Day album um, called uh, um, The Ladder. It's been one I've been playing. That's a deep cut. But um, there was one time I was watching this one documentary and Prince was just doing this as like as a warm up on a piano. I'm like, what the heck is this song? Then I actually listened to it again, the full verse. I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. So, um, yeah, Prince Prince is, (laughs) you're not going to find a playlist like this. I've made my own, I guess. But Prince's Spiritual Cuts. Like the ladder, the cross, the word. I've been, that's been stuff I've been playing on my own with friends. Sarai likes it a uh, little bit, but you know she's she's more into Gracie's corner. Um, you know, I, I did come prepared since you were gonna ask. <laughs> I did come prepared. Now the other two people I've been listening to my own self has been, for some reason I've gone back to um, to uh, Sublime. So okay, the nice. the last band I played in was like a was like a, a, a reggae ish reggae ish bar band in reggae classic rock bar, bar band, I guess, if will. And we had a whole, whole uh, sublime set. So yeah, we, for, I don't know why, but I just been revisiting that a little bit. Um, so I, I played Garden Grove for uh, 
Sarai with edited my own edited <laughs> lyrics for her as best I can. We took this trip to Garden Grove. Smell like blue dog inside the van. Oh yeah. This ain't no funky And Pink Floyd. Nice. Which album? The the Pulse album, the the live one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The late the the, the that's from the nineties. Yes. Yes. The the yeah. Cause I actually had a um, I had a coworker when we were at Maryland, who uh, when I used to work at, with the video department, and he was a huge Pink Floyd fan, and he had a video of of the Pulse album, and yeah, for some reason that's gone back into my head lately so i've been i've been playing that album a lot what tracks specifically or just the whole thing um two tracks for sure um uh, three tracks shot on your crazy diamond the first one um comfortably numb and um high hopes the grass was green the light was bright Yeah, yeah, right. Weird. <laughs> no, it's not weird. I mean, you know, it, it pink, especially the post Roger Waters Floyd, definitely more ethereal and kind of like yeah. very vibey. David David Gilmore definitely more vibey. Yeah, he's got than, a whole different um, vibe. You know, yeah. Roger Waters. You know, more hard rock political statement kind of stuff. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, there was. I was just uh, ironically on a, on a Maryland sports message board. There was a whole not a thread, but a whole you know discussion about the album animals and okay. just talking about like how good it was like you know how it's like a sneaky good album mm -hmm. uh in the pink floyd catalog and it's like it was just it was just interesting because it's like oh yeah pink floyd's been on my mind too lately. right yeah <laughs> not yeah, as much yeah. but uh yeah that's that's cool i've actually never given that album a listen i'm gonna have to go check it out now what the because, pulse album uh, yeah oh yeah, it's, yeah i love it yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just remember in seeing it in the CD stores. I think it had like a little light that would pulse, like the the actual box would have like some sort of light that would like because it was like a bo it was like a CD box set or something like that. And mm -hmm. You could actually see like a pulsing light come from the box and stuff. Oh wow, so, <laughs> this is crazy. But uh, man, Ricky, it was so great to have you back on on the show. Thank, Thank you, you so sir. much for coming back to to Dad Rocks. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode, and special thanks again to Ricky Johnson for coming back onto the show. I hope that you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And if you'd like to follow Ricky on social media, he is on both Instagram and X at the underscore RJ4. That's T-H-E-E underscore RJ4. If you'd like to check out the YouTube series he produced about he and his wife's journey of having a child together, which does include the birth announcement and the gender reveal. You can go to YouTube and search for Loving, L-O-V-I-N-G-R-N-B, that's the letter N, Rick and Chris Johnson. 
But I'll put a link in the episode description for your convenience in case you don't want to look that up. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show and would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on whatever platform that you're listening to, if you can. Or, you know, just tell a friend or two about the show. Either way, it helps us get the word out. If you'd like to follow the show on social media, we're on Instagram, Threads, and X at Dad Rocks Pod. We're also on Facebook. You could just search up Dad Rocks Podcast, and we are there. If you have any questions or comments or any show ideas, please send an email to dadrockspod at gmail.com. Would love to hear your thoughts and all that kind of stuff about these show and the podcast in general. If you want to check out the music you've heard on this episode in full, there will be a playlist with all of that music, and it will be linked in the podcast description. I really do want to thank you for listening and following the show, if you've been following the show. I honestly feel like every time I put out a new episode, it could be the last episode, just because I'm so busy and life is just getting in the way. But then I end up getting some great guests on the show, which I have another great guest coming up next month. So be on the lookout for that at the end of March. Um, So again, thank you so much for listening today. And remember, dads, you rock.